Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Mobile hunters, are you still looking for a lightweight and comfortable option to fit your hunting style? Well, look no further than Tethered's Phantom Saddle. It's extremely comfortable and extremely adjustable to fit exactly the way you want to hunt. I think my favorite features of this new saddle are the comfort channels, which is where the bridge kind of locks into the saddle. There's no more kind of fidgeting, moving your saddle around to try to find the right spot and reduce hip pinch. This just kind of locks in exactly where it's supposed to be. It's an extremely comfortable sit. The other uh, option or aspect of the saddle that I really like is the Utila Bridge. Oftentimes, you're in a tree putting your tether up, and you have a branch in the way, and so you're not at the right height, and it changes the angle of your bridge, which changes your comfort. Well, there's a Utila Bridge now that the Phantom has to where you can adjust that, so no more does it matter where exactly your tether height is as you can adjust that length of your bridge uh, with the Utila Bridge itself. I think the other thing that helped me make the adjustment two years ago-ish when I transitioned to saddle hunting was the Predator platform. If you're coming from a tree stand, a little bit of familiarity with having a platform uh, went a long way in just making me comfortable with my overall setups. So the Predator platform might be something you want to look into. If you're interested and you're still just kind of on the fence, you can go to tetherednation.com and be sure to check out all their saddle setups that they have available, the Phantom and the Mantis, and see which one might be right for you. They also just released recently a new Sishauler ES 2.0. Uh, these have some built-in pockets to keep some of your smaller items uh, compartmentalized like S-beaners and so forth, which is really nice. Keeps them from falling out in the timber when you're pulling out your tether or your uh, or your alignments rope. And that's usually what I'm keeping in mind. So head to tetherednation.com and check out all of Tethered's gear. The first thing I do in the morning before a hunt, before a scout, or just before getting ready for work is have my morning coffee. And I'm sure most of you out there listening are the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and donates 10% of its profits to conservation organizations to help secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 193. Today I'm joined by my good buddy, the bow hunting fiend, to talk marsh bucks, hard access, elk, and much more. So stay tuned. All right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. It seems like the cool weather is finally here. It officially feels like fall is going to start approaching and uh, deer season is going to be um, here before we know it. I'm, I'm sitting here just about three weeks away. 
Um, this session that we're doing with Greg today, this podcast, you know, it was he and I tune him, uh, essentially our annual bow tuning session where I go visit him in Jersey and, and he tunes me up and gets me ready for the season. Uh, yesterday, or I should say Saturday, I spent some time, uh, doing some broadhead tuning and, uh, fired a lot of arrows. I have a few more reps to put in just to kind of make sure everything's dialed in at a few different distances. But, um, where I landed yesterday with the, the broadhead tuning felt pretty, felt pretty good. Um, of course at the end I was starting to get a little tired cause I had shot a lot of arrows. So I, f- I figured I would call it a wrap and then just kind of pick it up fresh, uh, one, one evening this week to make sure everything's kind of holding, uh, holding true and that I wasn't, um, you know, that it wasn't human error or Clint error, should I say for some of the, uh, for some of the potential in inaccuracies, but going to make this up front pretty short today. Cause I'm going to have to get rolling and get out of here. It's actually my buddy, Wilson McSwain. He's been on the podcast before it's his birthday or actually his birthday on Saturday. Um, and we're going to do a little clay pigeon shooting, uh, in celebration and, uh, go out and fire some shotguns, have some, have some good, uh, some good fellowship together, if you, if you will. But before I, uh, before I kind of dive into the, to t- today's podcast, I did want to take a quick second just to say thank you to all of you out there that, um, listen to this show. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been listening for, you know, the nearly five years we've been doing this. Or if you've just started listening this week and this is your first episode, um, just want to give you a heartfelt thank you. You know, a buddy of mine sent me a text this week uh, with a screenshot, you know, saying, you know, you're crushing it. Um, you know, as as this little as this little show here, this this little thing we got going on that wasn't sure what it was going to be when we started, um, actually made it into the top wilderness podcast rankings. And so the usual suspects you would consider to be there, you know, the, the meat eaters and, and, and so forth are all in, you know, in that top ranking, of course, as, as expected, um, you know, those, those larger media company entities. Um, but this little show that, you know, we started in Pennsylvania and, um, you know, didn't know what it was going to turn into or what it was going to be actually made it into the top rankings with, you know, with a lot of the big boys. So, um, it has nothing to do with me really, quite honestly, it has pretty much everything to do with all you out there that are listening. So extremely humbled, um, you know, that you guys listen to the, to the, to the show as often as you do. And, you know, give me an hour of your time each and every week, uh, to talk deer hunting and then especially humbled and appreciative, um, to the guests that come on, you know, that, uh, spend their time with me to talk deer hunting and, and share as much knowledge as they possibly can with you guys out there that are, that are, that are listening. So appreciative all the way around. Um, and just wanted to make sure that I took a moment to, to say thank you and, uh, let you know how much I, I truly appreciate your support over the, over the past four and a half going on five years. So with that, um, today we've got a cool show, you know, the one, just one last update before we jump into that. I did, you know, and I'll make this really quick. The, you know how you have the excitement of pulling a trail camera card. It's it's up there with like Christmas morning, I think, as a kid. And then there's this added excitement when you put one out and you let it sit and you almost forget about it because I quite frankly kind of forgot about this podcast or this podcast. Yeah, I've quite (laughs) forgot about this trail camera I had sitting out in this like little public suburban lot in between some housing developments and stuff like that that I have access to. and I didn't check it since last September. So it's been almost a year. And I just, I remembered it just a handful of weeks ago. And just finally this morning, since it was nice and cool out and uh, had a little bit of time, I was like, you know what, I'm going to run over there and, and grab this card. I'm just curious to see what's on it. Not sure if I was ever, you know, I didn't hunt it at all last year. Don't know that I'm going to hunt it this year. Um, but it's that anticipation. Like I had this feeling that there was just going to be a monster on there. And, you know, of course I was let down. There was no monster. There was one really good buck that was in there and he just kind of happened to roll through, 
late October, early November. So he clearly was just a rut cruiser where I had that camera set up was, you know, near some doe bedding. Um, and you know, there's tons of does in there. So if I need to fill a doe tag, I can certainly go in there and make, make that happen. Um, you know, but there was a window of time, you know, and the more and more I pay, you know, I've, I've run truck cameras for a while and, and Chad and those guys, you know, from Exodus, of course, have a pile of cameras and the more and more I pay attention to it, you know, it's, it seems, you know, the daylight activity in this spot was really, you know, especially being right outside a doe bed and you can really kind of tell when things kind of come in. Like if you watch your trail cameras, like it was clear to me, like the activity started picking up right around the 19th. A lot of people will say, you know, that mid October time frame is a lull or whatever. It's not so much. So the, the case more so that, you know, food has shifted and their behavior is now shifting because things in their world and their biology is changing. Um, but also like what I paid attention to and, and, and Chad and these guys have been doing this for years is like when you start seeing doe groups, all of a sudden, and you start seeing single does, which is like, they're now kicking the fawns out and kicking other does away. And, and like what, you know, kind of leading to the idea that they're getting ready to come in. So paying attention to that. And then of course, paying attention to when, you know, the bucks really start coming around those, those doe bedding areas, you can kind of get a sense as to when, you know, the prime time for that spot is that's really one thing that we use in the big woods is understanding like when certain areas are going to turn on. Um, because you need that cruising activity in those big woods kind of settings because the the lines of movement aren't nearly as defined. There's not a lot of structure, all those things we've talked about in the past. But for these small suburban spots, it's like these aren't big pieces. And so these bucks don't necessarily live there. Like there's, you know, there's a hand, there's like two bucks that I had on there, I think last year in velvet. It's the same two, I think that are there this year. Cause the cameras batteries were still running whenever I picked it up today. Um, and I could tell it was them from last year to this year. Cause they got just a little bit bigger. There's they're not shooters still, but you know, just knowing that they, that they clearly live there because they're there nearly all year round. And then you have these other guys that just kind of come in at different times of the year. Um, you know, just kind of leads to the idea that sometimes I'm thinking some of these small suburban spots using some of those big woods kind of tactics because there's such small areas that if a doe has kind of, if a doe family has claimed that spot, so to speak, right, with maybe some subordinate bucks, you know, what's the likelihood of a mature buck wanting to spend time there, you know, um, outside of, you know, breeding? I would say it's pretty, pretty limited. Right. And so it just kind of dawned on me today as I was watching, because it was clear whenever those deer kind of came around and started using that spot and it was a very small window and then they were gone. doesn't mean there aren't other bucks there. It just means the ones that I'm particularly interested in looks like they're just kind of moving through and they're, they've got a spot that they like, and then they're just coming through these small pockets, these small woodlots. I mean, cause this place is maybe, it might be 15 acres, maybe, you know, so it's not a lot of room and there's, and there's going to be limited bedding opportunities unless they're bedding in people's backyards, you know? So I just thought it was kind of something interesting. I'll, you know, continue to kind of think about it and see if it bears out. But, uh, you know, I just want to make mention of that. So going to get jumped into today's show. Cool show for you today. My buddy, bow hunting fiend, Greg Litzinger, you know him, you love him. Today we're talking about a little bit of bow tuning, but we cover a lot about the salt marsh area that he's hunting. Um, as it's some tricky access, he has some hammers in there. And this year he finally kind of may have put the puzzle pieces together in, in terms of how to access and where they're spending time and how he might be able to potentially pull a monster out of, uh, out of one of these areas. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the podcast. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast. And this has almost become an, an annual an annual podcast. This is the second annual bow tuning marathon yeah. <laughs> with 
with my good buddy Greg Litzinger. What's going on, guys? It seems guys like guys and gals. Guys and gals. Yeah, come on, dude. We're living in a world where we can't be. Yeah, sorry. Gotta be all inclusive, man. Yeah, sorry. You want to make mention of like the rainbow colors too? Make sure we don't leave anybody out. Red, yellow, green, purple, blue, orange, and that's all I got. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. I think you're a couple shy, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll let it pass. My daughter knows it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, rainbows. I'm like, yeah. Roy G. Biv. Yeah. That's how I remember it. Roy G. Biv. <laughs> Going back to first grade, man. Going back to first grade. But uh, this is our annual bow tuning session here at Greg's house where I come to uh, lovely New Jersey and uh, spend a little bit of time with Greg, get my bow tuned up, ready for the year. This year it was a super simple tune. I mean, we literally did it in about 20 minutes. The bow was tuned and was shooting darts. (laughs) That might be a lie. (laughs) So this past year, the bow may have been dropped a couple times. Yeah, Uh, it's a little... uh... In the during the Iowa trip, it may have been dropped from the tree at one point accidentally with some wet gloves and slippery. Uh, accidentally, toe it was after the thirtieth time you've seen that buck. You were like, "I'm gonna use this as a boomerang." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I might have threw it. No, I didn't. I didn't throw. It. I should have thrown yeah. it. It might have helped. Actually, if I'm being honest, um, but there were, it took a couple falls last year. It fell once, you know, as I was pulling it up into the tree, and then um, I fell. <laughs> A handful of times in some snow and stuff like that, and and it hit the ground. And so I actually knew, you know, past however long, you know, uh, shooting, I could see it coming out of the bow, not not flush. Yes. And was just holding on until we got down here to, you know, make some some adjustments to uh, tighten me up. And it was, uh, to say it lightly, it was a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. um, Just a bit. Yeah. It it was a good session. It was like, what what time is it now? It's like 3.30. Yeah. And we tuned it, basically. We had to rebuild. Your sweet trophy taker. Yeah, my sweet trophy taker. That you rebuilt. That I rebuilt myself last year, the, the week before I left for Iowa, because the the uh, rest blew up. Yeah, learned it good for that. Yeah, and so so out people out there may not want to pick one of those up. Yeah, you know? it's, the quality is, uh, needs work. Yeah, yeah, it needs a little work. It's a great uh, rest. Uh, when it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Have no problems with it when it works, but it, that's that's the third rebuild we had to do on that one because we had a problem with the last one I had down here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then we put a brand new one on that bow that we had that we were yep. messing with today. Shot it last year, week before I went to Iowa, my rest blew up again. I had to rebuild it myself, and I paper tuned it the best I could at the house before I left for my trip, and then we got down here to your place today. And you're like, man, what is going on with this thing? And tore it apart. And there was like, you opened it up and like shit fell out of it. Yes. Like flat pieces of plastic were falling out of it. Like where it just was completely like, destroyed. You happen to be in the house where I've gone through one or two rest of those for the last three years. Right. Until I bought a hamski. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Might be, might be something I should check yeah. into. I think is what you're, <laughs> is what you're trying to tell me here. But nonetheless, we got it, uh, we got it dialed in and should be good to go shooting as good as it did last year whenever i when i yeah. when i left here and i had a few little hand things that you worked me through as well that i was yeah. having an issue with doing a little it bit doesn't of owe you any money. what's that it doesn't owe you any money it no doesn't choke owe it me out. any money yeah yeah so we're so we're good to go but uh so that's what we got into today was a little bit of that a little bit of shooting but i think what we're going to talk about today is uh politics politics yeah greg <laughs> really wants to talk about the political state of the country <laughs> During this episode, he figured it would just be a really good set off into the into the season because, you know, his, what he was saying was that we just haven't quite had enough of that yet. Yes, um, that there's just not enough 
social unrest that he would like yes. to add yes. add I to it. I started the pot my yeah. own way. Yeah, story. <laughs> but but I think we're gonna do. I think he's gonna start his own podcast for that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and this one, we're actually gonna focus on white tails. <laughs> and then you can send all your hate mail to Greg Litzinger Truth at gmail podcast. <laughs> exactly. But we're gonna talk a little. A little upcoming season, what we have going on. You've, if you listen to the recent podcast with Johnny Utah, he and I kind of talked about our season, but it's more. I want to get a sense of what Greg has going on, and we we'll just talk some talk some shit, talk some hunting shit. But see, so you have a uh, you've got an elk hunt coming up here, man. Yeah. Like in the, it's fast approaching. You're it's like out twenty four days, I leave. Yeah, well, actually, when people listen to this, because there's a one more uh, another end fault episode. So this this will probably be almost like a month out. So you'll be in Montana, actually. I think when this comes out, yeah, there's seasons. What the six or something open somewhere on there the first Saturday. Yeah, we leave Wednesday. We're gonna meet up with Tim. Tim his, now. Yeah, his place. Probably late Thursday, maybe mid you know Thursday afternoon. Drive around, get used to the elevation a little yeah. bit. What part of Montana is he in? Where do I forget where he moved to? He's thirty eight hours away. 30 hours, yeah it's, yeah, it's very precise. Yes, it's like 30.2 hours from my house to his, the address he sent me. I don't even know, he's like, here, go to this address. I don't know where that address is. Like, he, he could right, be cool. setting you up with like, you know, Buffalo Bill. He's yeah, going exactly. to wear you as a like, wait a minute, glad I got Rick. I'm like, have you met my friend Rick? Rick is a big guy. It'd be yeah. a big skin suit. Yeah. Big out of that guy. You know what I mean? I was going to have Rick just rip phone books in half. People right. want to test Rick, pull out your 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 phone box and just rip it in half. And they'll leave us alone. Yes. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but is, is he in northern Montana? I'm trying to I think it's all northern to me. Well, it's yeah, above it's, me. it's above. It's, it's a, all mountains. It's, it's so technically it's northern. Right. But he's been doing all, he's, well, I mean, I've been watching him on Instagram and Facebook basically since he's moved. And yeah. hopefully one of these years I'll get out to see him. I told him I would, I would make it out there. I was actually thinking about it today. I don't even know why before I came over where I was just thinking about, Wanting to get back out there, in part, you know, Utah is going on a pronghorn hunt, and that's something that's just yeah. kind of interesting to me that I would like to do. And I was like, well, maybe one of these years I'll go out and visit Tim, maybe chase some pronghorn or something like that. But I've been following him, man, and he's like, he's he's on the critters, you know. It's a, I, coming from the East Coast, we have a different mindset how we approach things. Like mm-hmm. we have to be very disciplined and really aggressive. And I think that tactic, that method that, you know, guys like Tim and I have, like super aggressive, pays big dividends out there because you, I think people that, no offense to people that live out there, you kind of take it for granted how easy it is to see different game. Like I go, Tim will go weeks without seeing a deer. I'll go weeks without seeing a deer. Mm-hmm. Like out there, there's just, there's a lot of game animals, mm-hmm. you know, because I know just driving through there, well, I've seen everything, you know, except Yo, a grizzly bear, basically. And I was like, right. wow, that's pretty awesome. So his style is is paying off. You know, the way you know, you think about how you know, animals use terrain, mm-hmm. you know, and Tim was on a giant bull, was it yesterday, the day before, you know, over 300. He's within 30 yards of it. You know, I was like, dude, is he, it shootable? He's like, yeah, it's like they ran around 30 yards or something. And I'm like, Phew. He's a freak, man. Yeah. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's from New York. For those of you that, that are listening that don't know him, he's our buddy Tim Bunau. He's from New York. I don't know that I've ever even had him on this show, which if I haven't, then that's a crying shame because he's a good, good tiss, buddy. Tiss. I know. I know. I need to have him on. Um, but Tim is like. Well, once we shoot three elk this year, all three of us. 
Right. We can, yeah, we'll do a yeah. we'll do a, the trifecta. Yeah. Um, but Tim is one of these dudes where it's like when you if you get the opportunity or the pleasure to meet Tim and spend yeah. some time with him, like he, one he's just solid solid yes. dude. But you muscle quick, wise and muscle wise, yeah, yeah, he's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> well, he's not stocky. He and I actually have like a very similar frame, but he's a freak when it comes to like being in shape yeah. or whatever. Um, but when you spend any amount of time with him, like you walk away like recognizing, like he is just. Some guys you meet and you're buddies with and like they're great, like they're, you know, great whitetail yeah. hunters, you know what I mean? Or they're a really good turkey hunter or they're in, and they, maybe they hunt whitetails and they're, and they're okay at it, but they're really, really good at turkey hunting, right? Or you meet someone who can fish, right? And you're like, oh man, he's a great fly fisherman. It's like, man, he doesn't really do so much bass yeah. fishing. Or you meet a guy who's a great bass fisherman, but doesn't do so much fly fishing, right? Tim is one of those dudes that is just like, I would say is a great outdoorsman. Yes. Like it doesn't matter what it is, what critter by land, by sea, by whatever means. He wants to be good at whatever he's doing. Yes. And he's working out with, you know, he's the freestyle, you know, the BMXer all those days, you know, he's, he's definitely a a unique individual running Spartan type races and stuff like that. But it's just like train the hunt or placing and train the hunt. Yeah. I mean, because he went to Montana and did not know a soul as far as I know out there. Maybe he knew one or two people, but not like from my understanding and Tim will probably correct me if I'm wrong, but a bunch of guys on the internet got together and said, Hey, let's move to Montana. And they all kind of said, yes, is when we're moving and let's go. And they, they put it like a two year plan in place and like they're doing it up. They're living a dream, catching brookies, you know, seeing mountain goats, grizzlies, and just bears, and just and he's elk. just in the timber all the time, and him and his dog, yeah, him and his dog. The but the crazy thing is, is like from hunting out there, right? It's like you recognize it's almost like another planet. Yes. Like if you're an East Coaster, right? If you're a Flatlander and you go out there and you go to hunt, like the game is different, right? The species is different. You know, yeah, you still have to play the wind, and you know it's. If it's elk, you're you're calling, right? If it's you know, I don't have any experience hunting pronghorn or, or any type of sheep or anything like that. So the only one, only thing I can speak to is just mule deer and, and elk. But the terrain is so different and how they use it. You know, to me, it's just it's a lot. Of, it's it's a lot of stuff to learn. And he's only been there a year. Yeah. In last year, he he, hell of a hell of a nice whitetail. Yeah, I mean, and he, he missed a big elk, I think, too, a big bull. Yeah, and I mean, the, what, the thing was is it wasn't like he wasn't on critters already. Like, mm-hmm. he was out in the thing. It, he didn't, it wasn't like he had a mentor either. Right. He was figuring all this out kind of on his own. Not saying he wasn't talking to yeah. people, because that's one of the ways you learn. Yeah. But he didn't have, like, someone taking him to the woods and saying, hey, whenever a bull's bugling here and they're doing this and you've got four cows with them or whatever, you know, this is a satellite bull. You're going to want, you know, he didn't have anyone kind of, telling him any of those types of things in the moment like he was just out putting on stocks yep. and trying to figure it out on his own and had the opportunities to fill tags last year you know what i mean which to me is like crazy for your first year like you kidding yeah. me all with a bow too all with a bow and then was on a hammer whitetail yeah like a hammer whitetail by midwest standards yeah. you know i want to say it was probably like 160 yeah. something you know and some change and he was literally just cutting tracks yeah. and track that track that bad boy down yeah you know what i mean along i think it was a river bottom somewhere he got into well, it the, the sheds he finds and like i said we put in rick and i put in for non-resident whitetail because it's like what tim was saying very few people bow hunt residents bow hunt whitetails because they're they'd rather go after elk yeah and it's like i'll i'll ch- i'll shoot the whitetails doing rifle during the rut you know from three yards away i want right. to go elk hunting right and that's like 
in certain spots. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a lot of whitetail hunters, but you can shoot an animal, an elk or whitetail. Elk has way more meat. Right, <laughs> yeah. One animal, that supplies you with the months, you know, months and months and months of uh, a different type of meat. Right. Know? I mean, to be fair, it's like, I, uh, I still prefer whitetail hunting to elk hunting. That's just me personally. Like, I just, I, I prefer it. Um, probably because I'm more familiar with it. And so I know kind of what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, elk hunting for, for people who live out there that, that grow up doing that, that's kind of like their whitetail hunting. You know what I mean? Where it's like, that's the thing that they're passionate about. That's the thing that they get, they get really into. Like, whitetail hunting for them out there. It's kind of how turkey hunting is for me here Yeah. where it's like, I do it when I have some time Yeah. and I like to get outside and mess around. And if I see turkeys, great. If I don't just as well, that's like, kind of a lot. I think how a lot of people out there view whitetail hunting. It's like, if I get some possible. time. Yeah. I, I know for me, like I'm a deer guy. I, I like the elk. I love hearing bugle. It's, I'll probably chase them, you know, here and there. I think my trips out West in the future is going to be more geared towards like high country mule deer. I think that's more my speed. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I mean, I don't, I'm not a big turkey hunter, you know, and I, from hunting turkey and elk, there is some similarities calling, running around. Like it's, it's cool. Like I, I enjoyed it. I got excited when I heard my first elk bugle, you know, when I had that big mule deer stand up and I don't have a, a tag. That irritates me more than not shooting an elk or having Rick shoot an elk. Having that mule deer at, you know, 45, 50 yards, whatever it was, you know, 150, 160 mule deer, and I don't have a tag. That irritates me now. Right. Not tagging on an elk, it doesn't irritate me. I knew that was part of the game, but I knew, like, I know deer, you know. Right. Granted, elk's deer, but I I think I prefer them, you know, high alpine velvet mule deer hunts over elk hunting. Really? And I'm probably going to rub some people the wrong way, but right. for me, I... First of all, it's it's something I can do by myself. I can't go elk hunting by myself. I'm a little dude. I can't pack an elk by myself. It's right. a elk hunting requires a it's a team minimum of two people, two or more. Well, sometimes it's hard. Like some years I have money. Like you know, some years Rick don't have money. If I want to go out west, I can do mule deer by myself. You know, I hunt right. the Gap and PA by myself in the mountains. I can, I can handle seven days in the backcountry by myself. And right. if I get a mule deer. I can take it out by myself, you know, right, <laughs> two right. trips and I'm kind of done. And like, all right, back to the truck. Hey, let's do it. And right. Drive home. Right. Yeah. So that's the way I view it. You know, uh, maybe when I kill an elk this year, I, I might think differently. Right. You know, when I'm looking at my giant 350 inch elk hanging on the wall next year, I might have a different viewpoint, but right. Uh, I just like, you know, just mule deer and deer. They're similar, but not right. You know. Yeah. I, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back back out. I'm a little bummed that my my elk trip this year got got squashed, you know. But Co- I guess, COVID. Nah, it was actually um just blame COVID. Everybody else does. <laughs> yeah, actually that's that's as political as we're going to get yes. on this podcast. Is <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to blame COVID for my I fell on broke my leg, COVID. COVID. Yeah, it's what are you going to do? COVID. Yeah. It broke my leg. Yeah. <laughs> got the rona on my leg, you know. Got that leg rona. Yeah, that's um, terrible. But uh but yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I'm looking forward to going back out elk hunting because I do really, I just, I dig the terrain. It, it, it's cool. Um, it's hard. It, it, it can be hard, you know, if you're doing like DIY style backcountry, you know, type hunts, it can be, can be challenging. But I would, I would just as soon go to like Kansas 
and hunt big whitetails, you know what I mean? For, for whatever reason, you know, it's, uh, not that I don't like elk hunting. Like I, I, I really dig it. And I was mule deer hunting whenever I was elk hunting. I had a chance at some mule deer while I was out there doing it. Um, you know, it's just, and it's probably, if I, if I did it more often and more consistently, it it'd probably be one of those things that would probably grow on me because yeah. it's still new enough for me to where it's like, I still don't feel completely comfortable. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a good call. The reason I suck at turkey hunting is because I'm not a great caller. You know what I mean? And so that's elk hunting. A, I, I got some, I got cow calls, the little reed ones. And then, uh, I bought, I guess they're just a regular, like bugle deer call, like, oh, no, okay. like a deer call or a cow calls. Right. And then I got like to the diaphragms. I don't have the bugle too, but I need to buy one. You know, I was talking to Tim because Tim's there's, he's working on like a code that we're mm-hmm. going to use if, you know, if I need to pull back, come closer because we're going to set it up, you know, somebody right. call in front, you know, set up and then he's going to get back call because Tim's going to allow Rick and I to have first couple cracks, which right. is pretty rad, you know? Right. Yeah. Because he's like, I live out here. I'll, I'll get my opportunities, right. you know, sometime this year. So I've been trying to work on the mouth calls because under pressure, I can't use a regular standard. I don't know what they're called. Just a, I always blow it wrong. You know, it's right. like, it, it comes out. But with the mouth call, like a turkey call, diaphragm, I'm a little more consistent. I'm, I'm okay. working on it. I can, you know, if he says, you know, if I need to, if, if I need to go forward, you know, then he's going to go like, give me like three calls or something. And if I need right. to move back, I'll, I'll give, like, he needs to come closer or whatever. I'm better with the, the diaphragm calls in a high pressure. So I was running around the yard, you know. And I'm like, I can make them work, but the other ones, it just, sounds like I, I'm dying, you know? It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really loving the visual of yeah. you running back and forth in your yard trying to wind yourself yes. and then blowing on your elk call. <laughs> like, your neighbor's looking at you like, there's that damn Litzinger boy again yes. out there. <laughs> yeah. I hope yes. I hope you're doing it shirtless at the same time. Like, that'd be awesome. Of course. Yeah. That's how they do it in New Jersey, man. Exactly. Are you kidding me? You never wear a shirt. Pale white dad bod. That's running right. back and forth, screaming bloody <laughs> screaming murder alcohol. <laughs> nice. So I'm I'm guessing you have elk and, and a mule deer tag for this yes. trip. You have both. Okay. I probably won't see at this time because last time I was told about a mule deer tag. I'm like, I ain't gonna see no mule deer. See mule deer. Yeah. So I buy the mule deer tag. Probably won't see a mule deer. Right. Probably see, and I buy a black bear tag, and I'll probably be covered in black bear this time. Right. Yeah. Well, because didn't Tim say he's seen a lot of black bear right yeah, now? Yeah. Some too? areas. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's great about Montana. Some of those West Streets, you can kill five, six different animals every season. Right. In Jersey, I can kill two white tails. Right. Yeah. Yes. Or or three with a bow. I don't gun hunt, so it's like. Right. I'm literally, hey, white tails. Right. Since we don't have a bear season anymore, because our not political show here, Governor Murphy can't bear hunt anymore. Right. Jerk. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the setup going to be out there? Are you guys camping in the mountains? Yeah. Or are you guys where are you guys staying at? Camping on the mountain. Yeah. He's going to have a base camp. He's got a. He dialed into, uh, you know, a couple mile walk from a base camp. We can hit like three different areas. We go two miles this way, two miles this oh, way. Oh, that's so, cool. So yeah, it's a nice little section. It's about a mile hike in. It's not so, bad. No, and yeah. some of the spots are better than others, you know. And he also drew, I think, a, a good tag for an area. And the last resort, because there's cows there, we can kill a cow, but right. we won't be able to kill any, any bulls there. But it's loaded up with cows. If we can't get anything going in other those spots, and he's mm-hmm. like, "We'll pack up, move like the last two days." Right. So we got seven full days of hunting this time. Nice. Like we went last year, it was only five or three years ago, it was only five days. Right. And by like the fourth, fifth day, like 
all right, we get it. We're on elk a lot more. We're cutting tracks. We're, we're understanding how they're moving. And it's like, and got to go home. Right. And it was yeah. like mm, a couple more days would have been like, we probably would have got a, a lot closer to some elk. Yeah. Some of those trips like that, like that was one of the things for me that if I'm going to go out West and hunt, like t- for me, it's like, it, I got to have a minimum of seven days, seven hunting days. Yeah. To yes. do it because otherwise it's like, the travel is so hard, like the first, like it's so far, right? So the first day you get there, it's like, you're kind of asked out to begin with, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, you'll push through and do what you need to do, but you're, you're, you're just not all there the first, the first day. And you're trying to acclimate to like the elevation and stuff well, like for that. Mere mortals like yourself, Clint. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, you New Jersey dad, but guys, you know, it's like, it was, we're a different breed. You're a different breed altogether. You can jump tall buildings in a single bound, yes. you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean it's seven days. It's like you gotta, you gotta, you kind of gotta have it, especially if you're going out there without a lot of info. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's, I think at the last trip, it was just you and Rick, right? Like we literally threw a dart at a map, and we're we're gonna go here. So we go into that area, and you know, I just bought my truck literally, and we're going up this rock trail. I mean, like Rick's driving, so I'm like, this, is too, and Rick's a big four by four guy. He did all, of them. I'm like, this is too sketchy for me, dude. Like. You take a, you take the wheel. Right. As we're going up this thing, I'm like, dude, we got to, how to getting out of here? Like, you could only back down. Right. And we caught uh, a bunch of razors came down. The guys were like, you plan on doing any hunting? And we're like, yeah, we're going to go up here and, and camp. He's like, he's like, we've been cutting grizzly tracks all over this area, like riding our grizzly. And we're like, get out of here. Right. You know, he's showing us pictures like today, like, you know, grizzly tracks, mom and cubs. I'm like, I'm good. So we <laughs> went back in the town to a, p- to a pizzeria and, we struck up conversations with a guy, and uh, you know, the guy was like, well, try this area over here. And we pulled up on Onyx, you know, thank God for that stuff, you know. Right. All right, we'll go here, and we literally parked. Didn't realize you couldn't park there. <laughs> uh, you couldn't over, overnight there because they were, like, redoing this road. We didn't really know, so we parked the truck there, and we were there for four days, and we were cover up an elk, you know, uh, right. mule deer and elk, and then walking out, we go down there, it's like, Where's the truck? My truck is gone. <laughs> they towed it like never two miles down. Yeah, two miles down the road. And we're like walking out because they're paving the road. We're like, what the fuck's going on? And we come down and the guy's like, oh, yeah, you can't park here. Where's my truck? It's down there. We'll have to bring it back. I'm like, how did you tow it? And they had to, so they literally had, because it's parked. So they had to have dollies, I guess, come up and, and pull it out so they could pave this road and this parking lot. We didn't know. There was nothing, no signage. How do we know we can't camp there? But yeah, locals knew. Yeah, they sent you there on purpose. Like, hey, watch this. The guy from New Jersey we're get his <laughs> truck like, because you're walking down like we're it's hot, you know. And we didn't see any elk. We're just kind of beat up, you know. And it's it's a lot, and we just wanted to move to the other side of the mountain, and you just walk down through like the this cow trail, and it's like just looking down, overlooking where the truck was. You're like, um. <laughs> I don't see the truck. Hey, did, you put, like, did you put the park brake on, yeah, man? It's like, <laughs> man. And you go down, there, and there's construction everywhere, like giant pavers. I mean, they're paving the road, like blacktopping it. And it's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, we were gone for like four days. It was literally like they were like mowing trees down and painting, you know, paving all these parking lots. And it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, you can't overnight here. That's crazy, man. Well, usually that would be like on a trailhead sign. Like there was signs, there was no signage, no, nothing. Nice. I was like, all right. Did you have to pay any money to get your truck back or no? No. They, oh, they, that's okay. Yeah. That's good. We had to just walk like two miles down the road to get it, <laughs> which is like <laughs> even more depressing because we're like fully loaded out with gear. It's hot. It's like 90 degrees. And it's like, 
<laughs> and people blowing their horn. Like, yeah, hey. and people are like, oh, there's a people from Jersey. Like, literally, they knew us. There's people from New Jersey. There's people from New Jersey. That's yeah, awesome. and it's like, and then we drove to another spot. We came back through, and, and the one lady was like, look, there, he, there they are again. And I'm like, <sighs> so you're well known in Montana. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. basically. Nice. So, what's your, uh, what's your goal? What's your goal for this trip? Any legal elk is getting it. First crack. First crack. So I won't, fir- shoot, I won't shoot a calf. I'll shoot a cow uh, or any legal bull. So first day, first 30 minutes. Cow's getting smoked. Cow's getting smoked. I got $1,200 for a license this year, and 1000 what, three years ago? I'm coming home with meat. Bringing home, bringing home <laughs> yeah. some burger. Yeah. <laughs> what, about, what about Ricky? What's his? Same thing. His same we're thing? All, we're on the same page. Um, and which... Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Like I said, Tim's on him. You know, he's on, on cows. And I, and I, I talked to Tim. He goes, I'm not holding out for a bull. You know, and I think that area, I think we might better shoot spikes there. I don't know. If it is spike, I'm shooting. Mm-hmm. First thing, I, you know, yep. any any legal mule deer or elk's getting it first 30 minutes. Right. What about Tim? I'm assuming he's probably holding out. Yeah. Since- he's got some good, uh, I guess he, from applying for years, I guess before he moved, he started applying before he moved out so he's he got some points and he actually got picked i think this year for a really good area and that's where we're going to go like the last two days if we're not nothing's happening right Since tim's helping us out and i told tim it's like all right you know because i think he'll be his buddy's going to hunt with us one, one or two days uh if i'm not mistaken and then he's kind of like on his own so I, I told tim you know you helped us out like this so if you need rick and i to you know call for you or or you know, do whatever it is we need to do so you can shoot something, so be it. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of how it was whenever, when we went out. Um, my buddy Luke lives out there, and he did the same thing. He yeah. called a lot for us yeah. and tried to get us into position and stuff like that. Funny part of it was, though, he was the one who killed an elk yeah. on that trip. But yeah. uh, It was all part of his plan. Like, yeah, sure, go down there. No, go down to the blowdown. Sit right there. I'm going to call back here and call. <laughs> right. And they come up this way, it's like, suck it. To be fair, it's like we were both at full draw, just uh. It it was the if it turned one way I would have killed a bull if it turned the other way he had the shot and so that was kind of how a real friend would let a non-resident take the shot. Well, I just didn't have one. We were behind a blowdown, like we got stuck because he was getting re- he was actually getting ready to move up the hill away to so he could call to try to bring it to me broadside. And when he went to walk away, I could see the the antlers coming through the timber, and I was just like, dude, don't move, he's right there. And at that point, he was already at like. 50 yards and coming, you know what I mean? And so it was, and we were behind a piece of blowdown and there was a big branch between us. And it was like, he literally came head on to us and like he needed to turn one way or the other. When he got to that blowdown, he was going to have to turn. And it just depended on which way he was going to turn, you know? So he turned his way and, and that was it. And he stuck an arrow in it. And then we packed that out. I've told that story before, so I'm not going to necessarily tell that story. So that's cool, man. It's a, he also had, he drew, I think it was the year before I went out there. He drew, I think they call it, if someone from Montana is listening to this, correct me, but I think they call it a one percenter tag where it's like a very coveted, even for uh, Montana residents to get, it's only like 1% of those yeah. who apply residents that apply, yeah. get a tag for this unit. 
probably similar to something yep. that Tim drew. And it's one of those things where you're going to very, not very often, even as a resident, get that tag. And there are just like monsters, hammer bulls yeah. there. Yeah. And so he held out all, like he, he saw some giants. He just couldn't get, get a shot. Some of them, I think one or two, I think he was actually at full draw and he yeah. just couldn't seal the deal. Some, some of those areas too, where you, the limited draw areas, even for not you know, residents, yeah. you know, and it's even harder for not residents. Some of those bulls, they just, you know, it's like going to Iowa almost, you know, there's yeah. just a better class of animal. So you're not going to shoot a 300. I guess a 300 is a good benchmark for elf from what I gather. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a real, I'm a novice yeah. when it comes to that, yeah, but so I, I would I say, yeah. 300 from running a lot. Like it's over 300. Like I'm assuming that's like a 130 inch white tail. Or yeah, take. the way I look at it is like a 300 inch bull is like me personally is yeah. how I've always looked at it. Cause I'm the same as you. Yeah. It's like, I don't really know, like, you know, I didn't know, you know, elk, elk scoring and stuff like uh, yeah. that. I guards all seems like, I don't know. It looks big. Antlers, I'm going to shoot it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> And I have always kind of assumed, like when I've heard people say you know, he, was, he was over 300, he was a good deer. You know what I mean? I always yeah. kind of like assumed that to be kind of like in Pennsylvania where you're like, that's a Pope and Young buck. You know what I mean? So for the area, it's it, going, What is a Pope and Young elk? No clue. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, I don't even maybe know. Maybe that's what it, maybe the 300 is. Maybe like, that is the Pope cut. Yeah. I don't know. But Montana residents. Let, let us know. know. Hit us. Tell us what the, tell yeah. us what it is. But I think he ended up killing, the bull he ended up killing, and it was toward the end of the, end of the season. Uh, was like 360 and some change. Yeah. And so, I mean, he killed a, a hammer. Yes. You know what I mean? It's a great, great bull. I think I still have the picture. I'll show you when we're, when we're finished. But it was, I talked to him about it a little bit. And if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he said that he doesn't know that he would want to have that tag again because it was just so much Work. stress and pressure because you don't get that tag very often, even as a resident. And so he was like, I, he felt an incredible amount of pressure to go out and hunt every day. And he did. And at that point he, he lives there by himself. And so every day he was out hunting by himself. So it wasn't like he had a buddy. Cause like, if you're at least there with yeah. a friend and you got this once in a lifetime tag and yeah. like there's hey, a day where, around for a weekend with you. Well, you that up. or you have someone to kind of motivate and you'd be like, Hey dude, get off your ass. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. You know what I mean? Let's get out into the timber or whatever, where it's like, he didn't have that. It was just like every day trying to muster up the 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 desire to go out and do it again after you put in 15 miles the day before because he works for the u.s forestry service and so to a degree he kind of i don't know how he works it but he basically takes a lot of the times he takes off a lot of the fall yeah where he basically takes off like elk season you know what i mean he hunts He's every been day. long enough i got the vacation time i'm not working september yeah and, and he does something else where he goes to like costa rica for like the winter and like works on like some fishing boats and does so. i don't know he's got a pretty good life he's a bachelor i'm not sure what he's got going on but he works for the forestry service. Wink, wink. Right. So I don't know what he's got going on, but but he does work for the forestry service. I know that. I know that for for sure because he spent time clearing trails and you know with a chainsaw on his back and stuff like that, clearing trails and shit. Um, but he would always be off like during you know elk season or whatever. And so that season particularly, I think he took the entire like all of September up through like whenever archery elk was over or whatever that is, like sometime in October, yeah. or early October, sometime, and hunted. Every single day, all day from like dark to dark, you know? Um, and then, so he was basically like, you know, I don't know that I would want that tag again because you feel compelled to go do it because everyone that elk hunts would want that tag, you know? And so kind of like when I was in Iowa last year, it was like, there was no quit because I was like, man, I know plenty of people would love to be here. What am I, I going to do? Like pack it in, you know? So, well, cool, man. You'll just miss the deer. Hey, let's not talk about that. It was my bow. It wasn't set up. <laughs> it wasn't set up right. <laughs> 
it was that guy Litzinger screwed me on that trip. That sweet uh, spring you put, put yeah, it backwards. It probably, yeah. This rest isn't working. Yeah, it's back. I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Manufacturer must have screwed it up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll move on now to to whitetail season, man. So, what are your plans? We were talking a little bit about this earlier as we were set at the bow since we had plenty of time uh, while we were setting doing the marathon setup. You know, we started talking a little bit about the season, what you're going to have, what you have going on. You know, what's a, well, let's start here. You, you said to me that you're focusing on a few specific areas this year versus yes, in years past where you may have spent time Bounce around all over the place on a lot of, bu- on a bunch of different I'm pieces. It's pretty much spending area in two zones because our, our system's designed in zones. I'm not going to say the zone numbers, but. Right. Well, come on. But, We're here to share. We're all 162 and 379. <laughs> but I'm going to be in the mountains right after Halloween for four days. And then I'm going to go to PA for five days and help with Johnny. But around here, Salt Marsh, I'm going to spend a lot of time hunting in the reeds and my chest waders, mm-hmm. avoiding trees uh, as much as possible. Because after spending some time, like I started really in this one area last year. I'll show you some of the, the nighttime pics. Of them. Yeah. Really, really good deer. And I, that shed I found, the pictures didn't really do the shed justice. So Completely not. Yeah. So yeah. the last two years, I've been looking at it. It's like, ah, there's really no big deer here, like decent deer. Well, there's mega giants there. And I just was reading, interpreting nighttime. Granted, they're $50 cheap cameras because they, they like to get legs and disappear from time to time. Right. You know, there are no Exodus cameras. Wink, wink. Right. Um, <laughs> sorry, Chad. I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but these deer are pretty much avoiding trees during most day well even during the rut you know it, they're, they're just out in the raids they're not coming in until dark right Granted, you know other hunters bird hunters bait hunters so that plays into part but I think these deer these old deer are just conditioned just to stay on these islands and you know those are out there there's no humans you know you might run into a duck hunter from time to time right I mean last year I had a duck hunter come by in a boat I'm literally like sitting on the thing, and they just, I said, I have my little uh, brown ghillie suit on. Like, they cruise by, and they get, like, the mud boat. So it's only, you know, two inches of water, and he's just, they're just cruising, trying to jump up ducks, and they just drove right by me. Never knew I was there. That's funny. That was pretty cool. Nice. But I was on a, a really good deer for a couple of days, and then he disappeared as, as usual. Right. But, yeah, definitely a, a big ground attack this year. Yeah. Getting out, uh, chest waders, life jackets, you know, the whole, I, I spent, Good portion of the off season on the onyx, and there's some creeks that are walkable even on low tide. There's gravel bottom, most of them are, are just mush bottom. You can't walk them, so I got all the gravel creek uh, marks. Okay. So I know which ones I can use when I see deer. Even during high tide, I can probably with chest waders move around pretty well. Right. You know, uh, I definitely need to try it before the rut. <laughs> I right. have to go out there in October with a uh, somewhat high tide, like uh, before the tide switches or whatever. Like right, right when it gets high or, or starts to go down, and and check the current there and make sure I'm not going to get pulled away walking down that right. somebody's ditches. But I do believe I uh, will have success out there this year. Nice. So where in that area have you hunted in the past? Were you in the timber? Yeah, in past, and I, in past I would years? hunt the edges, and you know, probably like right, I'd, I'd hunt like the doe. Uh, more where the does come in a lot but mm-hmm. after running you said cameras last two years there's just not a lot of day walkers does but the bucks are just they're coming in just 
at after dark. Yeah, right at that dark. Yeah, I mean, you might get some gray light deer, but it's still, like from a filming standpoint, I want to get back into filming this year. That's a no-go because I, I told myself I'm going to film this year and I, I want to get it on, get the kill, mm-hmm. you know, on, on camera again. Uh, so I pretty much, if it's not, you know, on film, I'm not going to shoot this deer mentality. Right. Like I used to be, so... Uh, it's probably going to blow up my face or I'll probably just throw that out the window when I got a giant coming at me. Right. But, uh, I think I just need to get out in the, in the cattails. I have more daylight, even like during the rut, just more daylight opportunities. Right. So what's the strategy out there? Because, you know, you know, it, this is that type of hunting, like hunting those, those marshes and, and, and salt marshes and yeah. stuff like that. I've never done. I would like to try it at some point just because I think it's really interesting. But I have to it, tag out on two booners this year. I'll bring you down. Sweet. Perfect. Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, I've actually contemplated getting a Jersey tag because I don't live far yeah. from Jersey, and there's a couple places that aren't far from my house that I've been kind of looking at. Where Jersey I'm like, is a little more uh, Sunday hunting, so that's an option for I you. can also hunt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, get, I think I get one in archery <laughs> season this yeah. year. So, hey, I'll take it, man. Yeah. One's better than none at this point. We're headed in the right direction yeah. at least. But when we're in the timber, you know, I can – scout and you can look at and find defined trails i can you know obviously see see rubs you know at the right time of the year if they're relevant you know if it's a two-way rub line or whatever so i know you know coming and going their bed food whatever the case is or i'm finding scrapes and understanding like what that scrape is telling me from like a you know it's either you know a primary scrape area or community scrape area or if it's a primary area that's like near you know a security cover or whatever the case is right so i i get those things right and understand playing the wind and how our thermal might work in hill country and stuff like that. I'm still kind of iffy whenever I'm around water, like that thermal still kind of screw me up whenever I get close to water. So like what, how do you hunt these salt marshes strategically? What are you looking for that tells you where you need to be? Because to me, it sounds like those setups, like you are removing all the classic deer sign that you usually, that most people would think of to, to hunt. Right. Now, this is strictly from a, a, a rut standpoint because that's the early season. I've, you know, I really struggle in the salt marsh. Like, I'll see them, but usually it's just too far off. I can never get close enough because they bounce around so much. So I, they're very similar to mountain deer. Like, ah, he's coming out of here. And you see him come out of that bed like twice, and I'm going to go in. He's already moved. Yeah, and he's already gone. Then you're like, what? You know, and the, you, you catch another buck. All right, they're coming out of here. You go hunt it, and it's like, they're already gone. So it's right. very nomadic. You know, I, I don't know why. I haven't figured that out, and I probably never will. But it's, from a rut standpoint, it's doe bedding. Out in the, where I'll be, there's, like, I call it salt marsh grass. It's only, like, calf high. It's, like, green. Was it like that stuff when we were scouting that one piece around that around that swamp? Where no, we got into that little open area? Similar, yeah. It's just a real fine, you know, like, it it almost like cut you if you're like okay you know, yeah yeah like I know walk. what you're talking about yeah it's yeah, real yeah. kind of like it's got it real sharp but there's a lot of that and then like the the cattails but it's really swampy and marshy and this area they had a lot of uh, army corps army corps of engineers work years ago and there's a few high spots okay and you can't look at it a map you know you can't it just it literally took me a long time to find because you see them go out there you're like but where are they going you know there's nothing out there. Right. And this year I literally put my chest waders on, which sucks because it's so far out there. And walking chest waders, all these d- duck hunters know, is awful. Walking distance in chest waders <laughs> at low tide is awful because it's just <laughs> like 
there's no boot support, ankle support. You're just like the slop around in your, and you're sweating profusely. Right. But, uh, so I, I, I put on there and just followed these, where I seen these does go out and small little trail. And the further I got out, more and more trails getting together. And it's like, fuck, trails all over the place out here. And they merged into pretty much one trail. And I'm like, the fuck is this thing going? Well, I crossed this, you know, uh, little creek. It was a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be. Kind of mm-hmm. scary. You step right. in there, like, it's good. And up to, your, <laughs> up to your belly button, it's like, oh, you know. <laughs> and I, I climb up out, and I go, like, another 100 yards, and it's high ground. E, the only time it might not be high ground is under full moon. Okay. So these deer live living out here, and there's shit's growing out there. There's little fucking little clover pods here and there. Mm-hmm. So these does are out there. How big is this high ground, like, space-wise? Like, 100 it's like the size of a football field. Oh, okay. But you can't yeah. look at it from like a, you look at aerial photos, it doesn't exist. You won't see it, yeah. It's just, it's a piece where they, a bunch of dirt must have, where they pushed dirt around or whatever, and it just kind of grew in. It's real, it's thick from the outside, mm-hmm. but on the inside, it's deer trails, tracks, beds, you know, they're just hanging out there because all that bird hunter pressure, duck hunter pressure, just pushing. Let's answer it. Let's talk to them. Oh, yeah. Let's see what they got to say. Internet. That's the <laughs> two number. No, that's my sweet dance music right there. There you go. It's but, uh, what Greg listens to before he gets before he hunts exactly. to get him psyched up. But nobody's gonna do what I'm gonna do this year out there. Like I've I've been hunting there two years. And I've never seen another bow hunter out in there. Huh. They stay okay. around the edge. Like, and I got a, a few observations spots, and. Early season sucks because the the black flies and greenheads they oh. will literally eat you alive. I mean, it is. I literally go out old school mosquito face net out there. You know, even August. during the rut. No, or, okay, like, okay. Like you go out there in August, September, and they're just awful. You know, they're just it's death, flying death. And uh, but there's no human sign out there. Bird hunters, they get a little. You know, when the tides low, like they'll go a little bit, but they're not going out there. You right. Know? And those deer know that, and that's why they're there. Right. Because it's literally the only place. That, I mean, they could swim across this big-ass tributary that feeds the Delaware Bay, but, well, if the deer are going in here, they're going to end up like three miles. It's so wide. Like, they're going right. to end up like a mile down. So I think they just, they're holding up out here. Hmm. And it's pretty good access. They got chest waders. Um, I was just going to ask you about the access. Like, how are you getting – well, first, let me ask you this. How deep is the water around there? When you say chest waders, like, how far up is it going, and how far uh, is your walk in? It's pretty far wall. I can go in with rubber boots, like regular rubber boots on the low tide, and almost make it to that bedding area. Uh, mm-hmm. But that one creek's pretty little channel is is too far for me to jump because you're get. It's not like firm footing. I can jump over like right. gravel. It's it's kind of it's mucky. So hip waders, you could probably hunt it with hip waders, but in a high tide situation, you might find yourself in some danger. Right. Because um, that shit will rip through there. You know, like I said, I got taken away last year yeah. in that same general area where I was chasing that buck. And it's, I mean, that water's no joke out there. Right. And the average person, I don't think, is going to do that. Right. And so how how deep is it? Like that high tide, it's it, that channel gets probably right around you know belly button level. Yeah. I mean, if there's uh, a current there, that's a that's it's a little scary. Yeah. Now, so, are you you are you taking like a like a life jacket with you? Or anything yeah, wear like a life jacket. Do you? Okay, that's smart. And I, and I, Shooting with a life jacket on with a bow is just weird. Yeah. And I got it underneath like a, a, a ghillie suit. Do you practice that in the yard? I have a few times. It's awkward. Yeah. as yeah, shit. Um, 
I looked at getting one of them inflatable ones. Yeah. Like they have. Uh, oh, that'd be cool. That'd be slick. Like, yeah. psh, you know, yep. put it on, and it'll be. You would, you would hit your you would hit your broadhead against it and probably drown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it'll be ground hunting, um, and I'll probably like I said read up my. I'll probably make a little bracket for my bow and put like a little reed, mm-hmm. make like a little reed blind for my bow. And uh, if it works out, you know, I'll probably shoot a doe if I go out there early. I'll probably, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk it in October, go out there like on a Friday after work mm-hmm. and hunt it when the tide's right. And it's one of those spots I can't, you can't hunt it all the time. You got to catch it when the tide's right. Right. And that's one good thing about my hours at my job now. It's like I get done at noon. So, I'll be able to test when to hunt it, you know, right. a few times. But I think, you know, right around Hollow or uh, Thanksgiving, that place might really turn up out there because you're getting all the new bucks coming in from different areas, and it's a it's a it's a big doe bedding area. So, like I said, I was telling you my little plan for putting a trail camera out there. I want to. That's one spot I want to try that little method, yeah. you know, and. There's a good chance uh, I catch, you know, a hammer. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm talking, you know, one sixty, seventies, eighties class deer out there. No, I've I mean it's them. like if they're, I mean it's, <laughs> they're not getting touched out there. You know what I mean? Is there now? Are there trees on like this? Is it yeah. just all kind of open, all, all ground? Oh. And there's a the one spot where, coming out of bed, I'm a, I'm a hundred yards away, which, I think is a good starting point for this spot. You know, um, I can tuck into the, if I, the first time I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it at low tide. You know, when I got escape routes and I can make moves, but I'm going to set up and probably like mid-October with the wind, a north, north or northwest wind, mm-hmm. and get set up and, and do a test, do a dry run. You know, mm-hmm. I don't expect the buck to come out of there. He might be out there, you know, right. um, but just get my bearings and how to go in and out when it's dark. Cause when it's dark out there, it's dark. Right. There's no light pollution. Like. It is dark. If you don't have a compass, nothing against Onyx maps, but their compass system and map systems horrible when you're navigating because it moves too much. You know, right. You yeah. need this old school compass. Point it down north. north of this direction, and you just look right. at that. Look at that compass and walk. You know, when you right. digital devices, you move, it moves. It's it's, right. it's it's not very good. Right. You know, you can get yourself in some trouble real fast with those things. Just relying on that. You know. Right. A compass, and I can just be beeline in and out because it. Tides coming up in the dark. I mean, it's, there's big coyotes out there. You know, mm. there's there's a lot of variables coming play. And right. they said when it's dark, it's fucking dark. Right. And I'm not afraid of dark by any means, but there's a level of darkness. It's like holy shit. Look around. It's like there's not even like house lights. Like right. boat lights. Like there's nothing. It's like there's nothing out here. Like I fall and break a leg. Like I'm dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that I mean, you have the act- you have the the added challenge of water too you know what i mean and tide and like, i think that scares most people i'll be honest with you it would be you know what i mean like i'm just because duck hunters you look at they're not solo guys they're groups right like i've seen some duck blinds out there but guys in boats it's a crew of guys mm-hmm. you know and they're crickers so they, they, they yeah i'll themselves. paddle into a place in a kayak by myself or whatever and i mean that'll be the first for me this year to hunt you know what i mean is doing that and doing that in the dark which i'm you know, it's like I don't have an issue with doing that, but like there's a whole different level of like I'm also not dealing with tide. The tide is the part to me that's kind of like not the deal breaker, but the part that would like skeeve me out the most yeah. because it's like, man, like so if I'm on dry ground and I get turned around somewhere and I'm not exactly sure where I'm at, I can stop and be like, all right, you know, 
it'll take me as long as it's going to take me to get out of here. I just got to make some good choices here and try to reorient myself and get myself out of here with it. When you're in that situation, you have working with Tide, it's like, no, you've got so much time yes. to make this happen. <laughs> Otherwise your situation is going to get ex- exponentially worse than yes. it is now. And I, I thought, you know, you, I'm probably going to uh, do this a few times this year, especially in that spot. Cause it's so far out. It's so flat and it's so there's no terrain to, to go off of, but you know, those fluorescent, sticks they use for snow plows they put yeah. curb things those orange things reflectors mm-hmm. i might buy two or three of them and, and bring them with me as i go out because i can see them you know 50 60 yards out you know right. 80 yards out with the little reflective tab so it gives me like if i get turned around in the dark your know, flashlight goes dead or i gotta you know, drop my flashlight and i'm down just my headlamp or something right. i can make out a reflective right. something you know 50 60 yards out yeah so what's your access look like for this kind of like how far of a walk is it? What's the access look like? This sucks. Sucks. Yeah. That's the access. That's good. Sucks. <laughs> it's like, like I'm probably going to pack in my chest waders mm-hmm. and walk in with just rubber boots and just as I get closer, put the chest waders on. Make because, it as far as you can. Yeah. Because the, the where the trailhead is, it's probably a half mile just to get to the Mars. And it's probably, I don't say a quarter mile, but. You know, maybe eighth of a mile, mm-hmm. and that's as far. You know, walking chest waders, especially once you get on like dry ground. I don't want to walk on these fucking chest waders, man. Like, right. I just take them off and put my boots on, and plus it allow me to like decompress from being out there. Like I'm on high ground, let me just, you know, right. take it, take it down for a second. You know, right. I made it through the the gauntlet, yes, yes. <laughs> essentially. All right, so we talked about the salt marsh, right? Where else are you hunting? So that's really your rut hunt, yes, for the most part, yes. right? October. 18th, I started seeing some bucks uh, show up on the the cameras. You know, a couple of day walkers. Where at? Where is this? Saltmarsh, same spot. Oh, Saltmarsh. Okay. Yeah, but it really in the timber. Yeah, it really didn't. They were young, uh, like year and a half, two year old deer, mm-hmm. which it's not necessarily young. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I'm definitely targeting you know, the unicorns this year. Like I really right. want that deer that's ever like that big ass five pointer last year, just massively huge, not horrible. You know horn genetics but just great body genetics something like that that's right like, holy shit you know it's like one of them holy shit deers be it massive body you know or like massive rack i don't be like right. you know i hate saying i won't shoot another 120 but i'd rather not right i know what's out there right like i got no problem eating tag soup you know it, I, I i have nothing left to prove to people i, I don't need to shoot a, a, a two-year-old deer and say hey look at me i'm somebody important i filled a tag yeah like yeah. I, I i really want to kill you know, after killing some of these deer, you're like, I, I need to, I need to get that feeling again. Like when I killed that, you know, that 140 there, like walking up on him, like right. that's a different feeling than shooting 115 inch deer. I hate saying that right. because he's still young. He was only three years old, you know, but right. it's like, there's just inches. There's just something about putting your hands on massive mountains. It's like, wow. Right. Then yeah. like, ah, oh, it's nice, but it's like, holy, sh-. like right. I want that again. Yeah. You know? No, that makes sense, man. I mean, it's that and the thing is like, you know that they're there too. Yeah, like with, I mean? with Johnny's deer last year in the mountains, walking when we walked up on that thing, and it was literally I was like, "Holy, like, I want that feeling because that's an old deer. It's a big, mature deer, mass, weight, like everything that you want a deer to be. That's right. what I, I, I'm targeting. Right. You know, that big five pointer. I would have, I would have shot him over a hundred thirty inch deer all day. He was just that big, cool looking. You know, just a giant fork on one side, you know, and just. Barely a five on the one side, which makes him legal, you know, right. to shoot. But it's like, he's unique. He's jet black, you know, like 
that's an old varsity. Wise, smart. Right. Nice. And so we're uh, so that's October-ish, right? Yeah. Where else? Where what? Where else you're gonna be? Because I know you said you're gonna be with Johnny. Yeah. You're gonna be in the mountains for four ish yeah. ish days. So that's Hall- Halloween on. I'll be not around here for ten days. Okay. Uh, and then I got another spot where I ran cameras the last two years. I get a lot of day walkers. Where's this? Oh, you don't have to tell me exactly where. But like, what's the? Is it marsh? It's a is mixture it? of brackish tidal marsh and uh, some overgrown fields. You know, as a I think it was a nursery, you know, 30 okay. years ago or something. Was, right. Uh, but some swamp, you know, some brackish swamp. Like swamp deep enough you need like hip waders to walk through because you will literally lose your rubber boot. It's like a floating mass of whatever. Like there's, right. there's trees growing there, but it, it moves. It's a weird feeling. You walk on, you're like. Right. It's like, right. is this solid ground or is it not when exactly. I take a step? Yeah. 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 And. A lot of day walkers in October the last two years, and I'm assuming it's because of oaks mm-hmm. slash pressure. So this year I'm gonna hit that up. That that might be, might get lucky mm-hmm. early October, September. I don't. Yeah, after the elk trip, I don't know how much time I actually get out in September. I'll probably right. be more, you know, taking the the profit role this year, setting cameras, checking cameras. You know, right? Yeah. Looking for a specific deer because I told myself, you know, and talking to josh and johnny target a specific deer it gives you you know a little laser like focus because i've right. never really targeted a specific deer right you know and i've seen the same deer you know mm-hmm. grow and it's like i know then found in that shed so it's like all right let me just focus in on like one specific deer like per area maybe it helped me focus my you know brain that's you know running 24 7 right <laughs> all right. over a place and it give me uh Cause I'm pretty good when I focus. I sit there and actually focus. I'm I'm very good at it, but sometimes it's hard for me to actually get that. Because when I was, you know, having, you know, killing big deer every year back in the day, back in my day, <laughs> back here. But day. I was super focused, writing shit down. You know, I was really laser like focused. I never seen this deer before, but I was focused on the hunt in that area. And now, you know, dad life, work, and it just yeah, you know, things change. So I think targeting a specific deer. In, in a specific area will motivate me more than just hopefully a 120 comes by. Cause I know there's a, uh, you know, the one deer this year, he was probably mid one forties last year. So, and I caught a blurry uh, cam picture in February on one, him one side. So I know he made it. Right. So if he was mid one forties last year, should be a really I, good deer this year. One fifty, you know, right. yeah. or maybe the same, just bigger body, you know, right. or whatever. I know he's there, so it's like, all right, I'm a little more motivated to go into that area to, to really put time in. Yeah. You know? No, that makes sense, man. I mean, getting, knowing that there's something there to go after and not yes. just, you know, hope, hoping and praying that something happens. And not that we, I mean, I'll say that when we go into places to hunt, we have an idea of what's possible there, right? So it's, we're not, usually ever walking into a place unless it's completely virgin to us we've never yes. scouted it we've never anything we're just kind of going on a, a whim and freelancing your way through an area right then you don't you, then you truly don't know right um and so then you, you, you may be surprised by what comes by or what, whatever the case is but usually when we walk into a place it's like we have an idea of of what you know what is uh what is possible you know and i i know josh i've talked to him about this when i've had him on before where you know, he focuses on areas that he might have two or three 
really good deer that he's willing to kill any of those three, but he knows they're in this yes. area. And so then he focuses on an area and he will hunt it. And if he blows them out, he blows them out and he moves on to the next area where he knows he has a couple really good bucks and he hunts that area, you know? And so it sounds like you're, you know, he might be in a little different situation, like where he hunts like the, you know, caliber of deer is significantly caliber better. deer is different. The pressure is probably a little bit different, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And so around where you and I live, it's, it's it's hard to uh, you may not have a hand, multiple spots that have the deer that, the kind of deer that you want to yes. chase you know what I mean and so it's like you almost by default get whittled down to a deer like yes. for me right now there are probably that I know of two deer that I that I would would probably kill you know one's the water access deer that I got a video yes. of you know I, I don't know what he turned into I haven't been back to check it and it's been since June since I saw him well, he, he looked, was he was decent back then yeah so hopefully he'll yeah hopefully he's decent. Out. and then the one that i got in that bedding area just last week you know that that is the second one and so it's like so i really have two deer in two places you know that i right now that i would focus focus my hunting on so long as the weather's you yes. know the weather's cooperating the wind's cooperating with me and stuff like that so all right so let's go to the mountain man what's the what's the what's the what's the deal for the mountains at to running cameras these last few years, uh, terrain features these this deep cut, and which is it's a it's a bear to get back. And how far how far of a hike is that is that in? That takes me from the trailhead to where, because I, I I go up I set my camp along because you allow you can camp along the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I use like a a, a bivy and a tarp because you have to break it down every night. You right. Know? Wink, wink. You got to break wink, it down wink. every night. Yep. Uh, but I set up a little spot that's kind of off the uh, beaten track, so to speak, and then beeline. It's you know to the spot from the trailhead to the camp is about forty-eight minutes of humping it. You know, okay. really getting it, and then it's like another thirty minutes. And by humping it, he means hike, hiking, yes. just rocking gotta, it. Yeah, you got to remember where you yeah. know what podcast you're yeah. on here. You know, people might take that. It's political. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, he's literally not. He's not literally humping his rucksack. Yeah. <laughs> but he might. You know, there's long yeah, cold nights. He could yeah, exactly. You know, and that one's a, It's fun because you're literally like totally off the grid. Like total. There's you don't see anybody. You know where my where I, I do my camp is. The hikers can't even see me. You know, like okay. I'm off this little thing, and you know I spent some time working, finding a good spot so I can mm-hmm. you know not be seen pretty much. I want to try and get as you know off the grid as possible, even though you're Appalachian Trail, but whatever. Right, right. And the other spot is an old, I guess it's considered a fire road back in the day, I guess before, but you can still see remnants of like a cart road or a fire road. It's deer use as a bench, basically. Okay. Because it's kind of, it's starting to overgrown. You know, now it's only, you know, two foot wide. But if you look back, you can see the mountain laurel, everything's grown in, but you can see it the road right well it's a bench now okay you know yeah. it's legit and these deer travel i put a camera the first time for just shits and giggles over the scrape i was like fuck it Let's see what mm-hmm. happens fucking day walkers galore man is that the spot you were telling me about well we've talked about it you and i not necessarily on the podcast but we've talked about it a couple of different times personally that there's a window of a couple of days yeah. where you're just getting hammers that's, that's with both those spots that deep okay. cut and that scrape and it depends on what's what sucks is you know is two great areas, but they're not really 
if I go to my campsite, the deep cuts, 30 minutes. All right. Now that scrapes like an hour. Mm. And, and if I camp close to a scrape, you know, then that deep cut, because it's real wind dependent. You know, the okay. scrapes, a, a, a northeast, north, which you, you'll get up there quite a bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's money. Northwest, you might be able to get away with it in, in the morning because of how the deer are like coming up. But in the evening, it, the, the last hour, you're going to get crushed with the thermals. The right. deer, where they're, where they're coming up because all the day walks in the evening are, are coming up, which is weird. They're coming up the mountain. Which that is, is weird. Up. Yeah. So I, just, I know they're just cruising. That first right. week in November, they're just moving. They're probably bedded down low. There's some doe bedding areas. Just making their is there some type of thermal freaking hub or something down there where they're just like everything's dropping into no, that they're I, I just think they're just hanging out low lows with the doe low with the does you know is that where the doe bedding is down there yeah okay. uh, and it, just a lot of does in general just feed down low and up you know so mm -hmm. i think it's just it's just their loop it's their cycle mm -hmm. you know and that's three days it was just both of the spots are just unreal day walkers i mean monsters and i've got a few nice deer and the one was I've never seen anything bigger than an eight-point there. Yeah, I'll show you a picture. He looks like a, a big, clean tent. Hmm. You know, so it's like it's probably 135 caliber mm -hmm. deer, which isn't big for a tent because you right. got four extra scoring points. But right. it's still a really good deer for up there. Yeah. And that, that deep cut these last couple of years, uh, the bodies on some of these bucks that come up there, you know they're mature. They don't have monster racks, but the body's like... <laughs> big deer. <laughs> you see, you're like, wow. That's right. A, yeah, that's a tank. And it's one of those deer like, fuck, I shot it. And I go up there by myself. So it's like. I can get nothing out. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. gonna, that's I'll be quartering that thing up, taking like three trips to get him out. Because right. it's like, wow. I mean. That's but cool. But it, it's worth it. Right. Uh, you know, and then take the drive to PA. Tag out PA with Johnny. Yeah, we're, uh, same place as last year. We're not going to, we won't announce where. But you guys, is it the same spot? Yeah, same area. You know, he, he owns like a, a he, he calls it the triangle. It's like a five mile. Mm-hmm. this way, this way. And he was hunting out there 10 years. He goes, very rare to hunt the same spot more than once or twice because it's so it's so huge out there. Like five right. miles in the mountains, it's far up and down. Like oh, man. The way yeah. the crow flies because it's probably really 30 miles because of the, the up and up down. Up and down, yeah, yeah, because you're talking about vertical feet along with it, yeah. So that's, Or I'm sorry, yeah, vertical feet along with horizontal feet, yeah. And then I'll come home and go back to work. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah get, pump, get pumped for that. Yeah. Nice. Because usually I take three weeks off in November. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to Montana. It's like, no, two weeks for that. And then I get two weeks for uh, the last week of October, first week of November. And okay. I got a couple personal days. Right. And nice. Salt marsh after that. Down that salt marsh every day at, you know, after work. Probably on like a Tuesday, Wednesday. And I'll probably definitely, I'll probably hit it, hunt it during the midweek a few times. I don't know if the deer will be out there because I don't know what type of bird pressure, bird hunters, mm -hmm. you know, upland because they, they, they push a lot. I know weekends gets pushed hard, and, and I think that's where I'm going to have success in that salt marsh on right. those heavy days with people. Right. Saturday, bow hunters, right. a lot of baiting, you know, and bird hunters. I think these does, older does, are just going to go out there, you know. And I, I had a I did have a camera out there a few years ago, and it was a November twenty. First to the twenty fourth or twenty fifth, some day walkers mm -hmm. and a few like he came out and it was like this random tree and I was like a shit shitty camera you know and I had it the way I had it set up on the on the tree 
you're pretty much getting sun midday because right. the way a trail come in, there's no other like, hey, let me put it this way because then you're just facing nothing. Right. And I've definitely- got a couple of those where it's like if I want to get anything, I got to face it toward the sun, which sucks, which means half the yeah. my pictures yeah. suck. But like that's where I need to be. And the day walks coming there that you know, a couple of days before uh, Thanksgiving was there's one deer just had this come up here on his right side, yeah, because it was kind of blurred out, you know, left side, right side. But he had a split G2, and it was big. Like, it went up like a mule deer. It looked very, like, mule deer-esque. Like, go up, and was like, boing! Right. You know, not like, I'm growing off the main beam. And, like, it was like, hey, I'm a split. And it was right. like, and it was big. And it was like, wow, that monsters do live out here. You know, it's right. like, and it was this big old swelled up, rutted neck. You know, his face was also swelled up. Nice. But, like, the picture's so horrible and grainy because it's a, you know, a $30 camera. You know, it's right, right. left facing the sun, you know. What uh, I, not to circle back to the salt marsh, but I wanted to ask you, like, how are you playing the wind out there with like being around that much like moisture and water with like the thermals and just like, do your best, because uh, it's usually out there. It's a pretty steady wind, yeah. Because you know, you're close to the bay and are you getting? Are you still? Are you at that point having to play like your offshore, onshore kind of winds and stuff like that, or is uh, it not quite? It's it's pretty constant. Out there, if it says blowing on northwest, usually the, the weather report, it's right, you know, okay. and, and it will shift from time to time. And that's the only thing I, being out there with the shift, and like, because the one spot, I'm literally like sitting in a ditch, like there's a ditch that's full of reeds, they're coming out. I'm going to build like a little ground blind on the high ground on that ditch. So I really won't see them until like they're past me. Mm-hmm. So the odds of them seeing me, isn't very well. So it's like, I see, right. I can shoot, yo, and it's going to be like 12 yard cording away shot. Like it's going to be pretty it's perfect. Insane. Yeah. So it's going to be like a high pace. Hopefully I make the right decision. Cause I don't know what's coming, you know? Right. It's not but, like you're gonna have a lot of time to analyze. But if that wind shifts, like it's a big wall of reeds and it's just a wall, you know, nothing's getting through that really. And it's going this way. So that wind shifts, I think for the most part, I'm just going to just get, I'm hoping just push down that ditch. Right. You know, even if it kind of goes this way, uh, like a, a north wind, I'm good. They said northeast. If it, it blows northeast, I'm on one side of the wall. I don't know how much that's going to affect me. Right. You know, really, because, okay. you know, it, how does it get to my scent, really? Is it going to, like, come around? And I'm thinking it might swirl down the ditches, maybe. Right. I don't know. Like I said, I'll milk the shit out of it, so. Right, and just have to figure out how And it's going to be a learning experience. That's why I said I, I want to try a couple hunts, see how the thermal pool is, a certain tides, because, there's a big tidal flat this way. The mm-hmm. deer's cross. I'm, I'm going to be here. The tidal flat's going to be across the deer trail. What pool that have on my thermals, you know? Right. I, 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 yeah. You know, at certain tides. Because I, I know if it gets down to a mud flat and, you know, the tide's coming up, say, right at dark, but the sun's been baking that mud flat for the last three hours, mm-hmm. you know, two hours. That plays hell with the thermals because it's just like just like. Well, you're just, going from a warm mud flat to like cool water hitting it, and like all of a sudden you went quickly from warm yeah. to cold. And then it, and out there it's it's a definite noticeable temperature drop. Right. The last hour you feel it. You don't right. see. I mean, you can see it, but you feel it. Like it's like it's getting cold. Right. You know, there's no like you know, waiting for that thermal. But like you can actually feel the coolness. You can see things. You can actually just because you're in the reeds. You know, you, everything's like swirling around, and you'll see stuff just start to settle and like. And kind of flow right. where it needs to go. Yeah. And I'm where I'm be like in a lo, little low spot. So I'm hoping that's going to help out with the, you know, it might only be like three feet, but hey, that might be all I need to get my scent 
pulled down. You know? Yeah. And like I said, and I do believe that area. I should be pretty good, I think, because I'm so close to the betting. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're hitting. They like said they're hitting the main lines like at dark, 15 minutes after dark. I'm so far out there. I should have some good, you know, good daylight. So right. I'm hoping the thermals won't kill me like it does in the mainland where you're like, all right, they're coming in the last 15 minutes and that wind swirls and thermal pools, you know, when they're coming in. Right. When they're coming out, it's, you know, you know, plenty of time left. You know, it's still going to be light out. Right. So most of the intel you're using from trail cameras right now is all historical, right? Like yes. you use a lot of historical data just yes. in general anyway, right? Yes. And you know, I mean, this is, a, I think you said earlier when we were talking, you said this was the first year you really actually got cameras out early. Yes. But you haven't really got a whole lot on them, but you're not banking on that telling yeah. you what you need to know this yeah. year. Like you've got what you need. Yeah. And I, I was doing it for, and my own fault, I've never really run a lot of cameras in the summer, mainly because of chiggers and bugs and I don't like that shit. Right. You know, I know certain areas, well, like this time of year, if I go out in the woods, usually it's for rut hunts. You know, mm-hmm. I'm setting up for a rut, you know, going through some reeds. I'll, I'll make a little trail through the reeds, you know, because mm-hmm. I know in up, you know, late October, it, I'm, I can find that in the dark because it's still going to be trampled, you know? Right. This time of year, it's usually it's visual. Like I know, mm-hmm. like, all right, I know where there's apple trees, you know, crab apples, persimmons. If I see a buck, I'll go burn a sit on it. And usually that's when I have success because I'll see a buck in a field close by. I'm like, I know where he, I got to a hunch where he might be going right. and I'll go in from just years of hunting certain spots. Right. You know, and I think a lot of people get a little too comfortable, especially now with trail cameras, mm-hmm. checking spots. And then over, even like around here, like Monica will tell you, we slow the car down to look at deer. The does will stick around. The bucks, cyanur, a hundred inch deer later. Right. They don't fuck around. And yep. big guys, they don't come out to the last 15 minutes. And usually it's not near road. If you slow down, they just kind of just go right back where they came from. Yeah. Like, they know what's up. You know, they're not dumb. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cool, man. Well, we've been jamming just about an hour. It looks, it looks like it's going to do a little thunderstorm outside for my for my ride home. Yeah. I've Monica's got to go to PA to pick up Colette. So. Yeah. I spent, the, I spent the day here at your house doing, uh, doing some some bow tuning that was like the fastest bow tune we've ever had in our lives which was great actually no that's the Botech carbon icon yeah yeah you tune that thing in like 20 minutes yeah. it's pretty slick but uh thanks for coming on buddy yeah, and uh thanks for well thanks for squaring away my bow every year yeah. you always you always hook me up so i appreciate that yeah. man and uh good luck in montana and then you and i'll be talking throughout yes, the season so for sure so be sure to give the uh the bow hunting fiend a follow on instagram check out all his uh his hunting endeavors and until next time we'll see y'all out all right folks that is a wrap for today's show i'd like to thank all of you for listening if you haven't yet please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating and hell while you're at it head over to youtube and subscribe there as well i'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me before we shut this thing down i need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible tethered exodus outdoor gear skull brew coffee company and maven optics And until next time, we'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.